Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. And your questions this week are on teamwork and let's throw in team building as well. Uh, really thrilled doing this topic. It kind of jumps off last week's uh, one as well because we talk about building a team and hiring and things like that. But now it kind of matches neatly to talk about building that kind of teamwork and kind of culture, if you like, as well. Um, <clears throat> so I'm Richard Moore. If this is the first time watching and week 186, then uh, then no problem, this is your first one. But what we've been doing for some time now is answering questions from you all uh, on multiple platforms. So we're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook right now, uh, and your questions uh, will be answered across the next 45 minutes to an hour or so. And what's great is every week asking you lot to, to throw your questions into the ring and, and sharing my vibe on them. And um, since I think when I first, well, I was part of a team on my first job, which started in 2002 when I was selling internet marketing, uh, cold calling, doing that back then. Uh, and very soon, it was about 18 months in, I then became a team manager. And since then, if I've not been um, building teams, I've been guiding people in doing that. And so it's really good fun working with leadership teams on that in that kind of space as well. Um, so it's been, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you need a lot of time doing it, I think, to really uh, appreciate the little nuances of building a team. And probably a great way to start is to say that, um, before we get into the questions, is that it's a really important thing to remember that you're spending most of your waking hours with your team. And if that's the case, then treating them a bit like a family is a really good way of, of kind of starting. Um, I want to do a couple of announcements before we get into the questions, though. So firstly, uh, um, before I do anything, I want to say thanks to everyone who's jumping in uh, over here on Instagram. So good to see you here. Daniel Nunes, JJD Photography is here. Joe Jelani as well. Good to see you here, my man from uh, New York. Uh, Kamal Ritter, writer, sorry, as well. Good to see you here, too. Uh, people jumping on Facebook as well. And over on LinkedIn, uh, we look like we are live. So a couple of announcements. Firstly, I want to shout out to Warwick University, uh, to Warwick Congress. This is their big event each year, uh, which I'll be speaking at on Saturday. Really great to be part of it. So thank you. Also, to shout out to Nottingham University, because um, I'll be there in uh, two and a half weeks or so. Um, thank you for inviting me over recently uh, to speak there to your students uh, on, on leveraging LinkedIn to build your business up. Um, <coughs> but also more uh, closer to home, we have uh, events coming through for you very soon. So the first event of the calendar uh, for Entrepreneur Business Live is on the 27th. So literally 10 days time, we are live um, from Atlanta. Uh, we will be watching, uh, well, I'll be watching the live stream here from the UK. And that will be with Heather Parody uh, and uh, Randall Blizzard, Joel Pilg um, Pilger, and also um, uh, the wonderful Joy uh, McAdams as well. Uh, and then we've got London. Entrepreneur Business Live London got our first one um, of the year here on the 5th, 6th, 4th, on the 4th of March. It's been a long time thinking uh, about what date it was. Uh, the 4th of March will be focused on uh, sales and improving sales in your business with myself, Russ Avery, uh, and from and uh, and also uh, Chris Hat not Chris not Russ Avery I'm thinking of someone else so you've Chris Hatfield uh, and also Jack Gaysford as well and then we've got the the announcement was um, uh, out on Saturday hopefully some of you caught it 
that on um, the 16th of April we'll have Miami. So we're going to return to Miami for a larger scale event. We plan to have, uh, we have capacity for 180 people, but certainly be north of 100. Uh, and I'll be joined uh, on the ground uh, by Brian Direct, who is hosting. Uh, also, Quentin Allums, all the way from um, Milwaukee, will be popping over. Uh, Shay Robos will be there. Shanae Murray will be there. Uh, Jackie Hermes will also be, actually, she'll be streaming uh, from, from Milwaukee. But we'd love you to have that whole panel together. So I really, really uh, am looking forward to that as well. I've done enough invites announcements and uh, and housekeeping tapping away on all the all the devices let's get stuck in to the first question <coughs> from wendy gilhula who is now a bit of a regular on linkedin watching this show so thank you very much for joining us um uh, wendy again and your question is how do you encourage integrity my my kind of feeling of death of of uh, integrity is a lot of honesty um, and if you like, that's kind of a really good definition of it. And if you want honesty in a team, you have to have openness. And, and honesty comes about when um, people have no fear of you as a leader. And a good way to build that, in my opinion, is to have a sense that there's no fear of failing and getting anything wrong. And if you look at companies that embrace fear, and there's probably a lot of good books on this as well, but companies who embrace peer, fear as part of what they do, um, you actually end up with this really wonderful idea where fear is a positive thing. It's like if you're not making mistakes, not in a, not in a kind of slapdash way, but if you're not trying new things and therefore creating iterations of a product or service, you're not, you're not pushing the boundaries enough. What this allows us to do, this idea of, of kind of creating a sense that failure is absolutely fine. Wonderful world where people don't feel fearful for making is be a little bit more um, relaxed about sharing what's going on. In turn, it means that if there are problems, people are a little bit more likely to, to say, to, to kind of share that out, out, out loud. And I think that integrity is a big deal but you can't just tell people to be in, to have integrity. You can't just tell people to uh, do the right thing. What you can do is create a really good vibe. One thing I would say for sure is if you look at a team, especially if you inherit a team, if there's any kind of poisonous characters there, you need to do your best to identify how, what's up with that person and how you might change that um, or, and help them out of that problem or in fact move them along because the, the truth is not, that doesn't really help at all because um, there needs to be um, not just a great relationship between leader and team but between the team members themselves. That really does matter. But integrity for me comes from real openness um, to share if things are going wrong as well. If you create, a, or, if, or rather if you condition your team that whenever they screw up, you're gonna break their legs or you're gonna get really upset or, or wear on your sleeve that you're really emotionally annoyed about it. They're just not gonna to wanna to share when they get things wrong. Knowing that they will get things wrong, it means you really need to be careful uh, because otherwise what you're doing is, is you're making them lose that openness uh, with you about, about where they've had a mistake or something like that. And integrity, I think, can start stemming from that, to be honest. Um, but it goes without saying that you should look for, in, in the hiring process, the kind of in, what kind of levels of integrity in, in people as well. Um, some people, um, they're just, they're built in a way where they are a little bit um, less, um, uh, they've got a little less integrity than others. And that's just how they've built themselves over the years. So you do have to be careful um, about, about that. And I feel that 
<coughs> a good idea is to get that, it's very difficult in the hiring process, but certainly get that person into interacting with your, your the rest of the team and seeing what the vibe is, you know, what do they think? Do they feel there's something about them? And, and maybe get them to describe situations where they've gone a little bit over and above um, and, and done the right thing. But, but it's very hard to test that. But what I will say is that the more openness there is, the more people, uh, or rather the less people want to screw the team and, and do things that are underhand. So that really, that really is what's worked for me very well. Uh, great question, Wendy. Thanks for starting us up on that. Um, so just avoiding this fear of you and, and, and this fear of, of, of failing, equaling, uh, being told off, if you like, and that creates some great openness. Um, some great uh, comments coming in here. Uh, click, click, boom, underscore 11 on Instagram. This accent, thank you very much. Uh, I, personally, I don't think I've got an accent, really, because uh, I'm from the UK and I'm feeling it, feeling this is my, this is just a normal speaking. But of course, you must be elsewhere. Uh, uh, Agina Zagsita, uh, nice to see you here as well. Uh, the Gilead Hanina, gosh, it's hard work over on Instagram. Um, Stefan Tierney, it's a little easier to say. Uh, and um, uh, Sedufos, nice to see you all as well. Hop over to LinkedIn and see if we're live over here, no problems. Should be no issue at all. It looks like we're live, but I'll, I'll resume searching on that a bit later on. Uh, and over on Facebook, Daniel uh, Williams, nice to see you here, my man, uh, over in Ottawa. Thank you very much for your help with Entrepreneur Business Live back in December last year. Daniela Galvani, good to see you as well. Uh, and uh, Lisa Lee Winland, marvellous to see you here too. Thank you very much uh, for jumping in. And there you go, LinkedIn is alive. <coughs> and just have to say before I go into the next question, thank you. So many of you have sent me really nice messages about me being ill last week. I am on antibiotics. No, I don't have coronavirus. Um, I just I am on antibiotics now. They seem to be working quite well. Um, <coughs> I had this cough for this is now week three of it, to be honest. And it's definitely getting better, but it's very tiring having a cough where uh, you're just barking away. The other day I was in a cafe working and a woman sat down next to me. And then after a little while, after I was coughing, got up and moved to the next table. That's it's just, just how, how bad it is. People are like, I don't want to be near this guy. So it feels really contagious. It's certainly not. And those of, uh, of you who I'm seeing tomorrow in the city, don't worry. It's all good. Uh, and I'm on, on the mend. Um, Karen Hayward, posh boy accent. OK, thank you, uh, Karen. Smooth and lovely. OK, I prefer that. Uh, Ryan McKay, great stuff. Uh, Helen, uh, Helen Renovic, uh, hello Richard Moore. Uh, Heather Jones-Davis, good morning as well. Let's get from all of you watching where you're watching from. Why don't you put in the comments where you're watching from and hashtag Team Live if you're watching right now. If you're watching later on, uh, you can put in hashtag Team Replay, be part of Team Replay. Uh, and also if you miss this, of course, you can watch the replay. We'll always be there on IGTV so you can watch the back episodes back episodes of the show um, and there's of course the, the uh, podcast on therichardmore.com or just search you know iTunes and Spotify and the rest of it on there as well. Uh, Michael Kennedy Marius, <coughs> do excuse me uh, for the coughing. Richard how would you encourage diversity as well as integrity because a lot of team members speak of diversity but do not act upon it. <coughs> Let's get clear on what diversity means. Diversity on uh, um, uh, culturally right now, people think diversity means race, potentially. It doesn't. Diversity is literally anything. It could be gender, it could be age. I think diversity can be points of view. If you look at the team, inverted commas, that I have, both payroll but also um, freelance as well, they are around the world. 
They are different sexual orientations, they are different genders, they are different races, they are different ages, and the reason why is not calculated. I didn't go out of my way to actually seek out the diversity. What I did was I sought out someone who was good at the thing that they had to do. And the people who showed up who were good at the thing happened to coincidentally have their own set of, of physical and emotional variables that made them diverse. What's fascinating is when I, when I've, uh, it has always worked, whenever you go for talent and no other things involved, so I don't care about anything but talent, and obviously an ability to speak English helps for instance, <clears throat> and deeper stuff, sure, loyalty, integrity and so on, but in, in, in essence a talented person, someone who's good at what they do, then you have therefore a complete lottery of all other things. So you end up with, you know, someone who is um, completely the other side of the planet um, and, uh, and who is 19 years old and epic at what they do and they get the gig. And I love it. If you go for talent, I think the two things I really look for are talent and ambition first. And that's really what stands out. And it means that diversity naturally comes through. But I want to get back to this point on diversity being points of view as well and how you encourage it. Michael, this is a really good question. I've found that you can encourage it in the things you do around your work. So what I mean by that is the social work you're doing, as in hanging out with them socially, um, the moments between meetings and work and doing the job and phone calls and whatever, when you're interfacing with the team just as people. It's really fascinating because if you can just let people be themselves and you've really got to create this, this culture where people can have their identity in their office, you know, you know they can go all Zappos, if you want to make it like a verb, um, like in, in terms of what, how they dress their desks and how they build their little environment and they get to be them and it is promoted that they are the kind of crazy or weird kind of person they are. And, and the more you get into that, and the real kind of, because everyone has a thing they're really into and it might be weird or diverse, but the truth is when you allow that to come out and it be cool that people are like that, it's just so good because then they're really being themselves. And um, I, as an example, I remember I was being, I was on a team once, there's good examples of both directions. There was, there was a team once I was on when um, we were encouraged to be a very much a cookie cutter uh, um, uh, a robot that fit a particular corporate model and we could all play that game a bit but it didn't create a sense of uh, diversity because we were all naturally uh, conditioned to work on it in a certain way and think in a certain way and act in a certain way Michael but <coughs> excuse me but I've worked in a different team where, was, where we were really encouraged to really be ourselves and really encouraged to be ourselves and that comes down to like dress, dress as you wish um, and be as you wish and, and what I loved was that I was encouraged to um, own my role in my way. And it was really good because, you know, I got to be a real nerd about my job and no one was shutting it down going, could you not just get on with your work and do it this way, as in my way? They were like, output, you know, Richard, if you need to achieve X and you achieve X in your way by being all nerdy and, and spreadsheety, then good for you. And, and that was really good because I got to bring my type of diversity to the team and altogether it was just a really good vibe 
and different and weird is amazing. I really think that. So um, I'm a big fan of encouraging it. And at no stage should, I, mean, I suppose another direct answer to you, Michael, at no stage should you be looking to um, not shut down someone doing something differently, but, but really hold back from, from this idea that different is wrong. Because a lot of people have this, oh, I wouldn't do it that way, or it's not what I want. You can help advise and suggest things if, you, if you're training or, or coaching or leading someone, but at the same time, you need to give some respect to the idea that they might have a sense of direction based on the way they wanna do it. So there's a bit of balance in there, of course, but allowing people and creating an environment where people can really be themselves means you have a really great, fun group of people. <clears throat> and one company I work with, uh, does this by team for sure and the teams have all these different personalities and you could totally look at that floor of teams and say that's the you know that's the funny team that's the nerdy team that's the and it's really interesting that you have these groups of people who really identify with each other and that really encourages diversity because we all have it but it's allowing it to be cool to come out naturally. Uh, that's what I've experienced. So thank you very much, really good question. Um, <coughs> uh, good morning uh, to Carolina Mankowski, team live from Florida, USA. Steve Sullivan, good to see you here, good morning. Uh, Emily Ann Valilia, uh, I've got a question from you in a second, uh, from Tampa. Roger Wakefield, good stuff to see the man himself uh, uh, watching as well. So Andrew Stilitu, uh, Zappos has, also has solid systems and processes do you need both to create a good, a great culture? <coughs> Excuse me. Yes and no. What Andrew's asking here is a very good question. So Zappos, the shoe business, bought by Amazon for a steal at a billion, I think it was in 2009. I don't know exactly when it was. It was some time back. Um, <coughs> Zappos is a really good example of a company that written, it was the service Ironically, isn't shoes the service is the customer service. They didn't outsource it famously, especially at a time when it was like it was de rigueur to to outsource your your uh, customer service. Um, it was about all about the customer service, going to the ends of the earth earth for literally anything. And there's stories of you know people calling up not with a problem with their shoes, but saying things like, "Where can I get the nearest pizza?" and the customer service team actually helping them do that and things like that and the longest call being like five hours for example and you know amazing things that have happened because that's their main focus but great <coughs> as you're, you're rightly saying there uh, Andrew they're great systems and processes as well it can encourage a great culture because it allows you to streamline the things uh, that, that allow you to actually get on with your work but it can be suffocating because when too many systems and processes impede culture to exist and culture loosely is the way in which people feel they can get along in a team perhaps the problem you end up with there is that you have um too much focus on adhering to systems and processes and not enough um uh, riffing going on and riffing is important and there needs to be improvisation and creativity otherwise what happens is you're focusing your management and leadership on holding on to staff to make them stay and then they go okay and it's far better to uh go all in on on allowing culture to flourish um and the systems and processes being there again not to suffocate but to streamline and um uh, smooth out the the work that they do so they can enjoy the job when a, when it's done right systems and processes uh mean that the grunt work and the admin and things like that can be done super quick 
and then people can really enjoy the juicy part and that, that's the kind of the bit that matters. Daniel Nunez watching on Facebook has said, the more diverse your team is, the greater the, uh, the inclusive and inclusive the business will be. I think diversity is a really important thing. I think that my approach, as I say, which is looking at talent first with zero bias does work. A lot of people say they do that, but it's interesting how their teams all look the same. They're all the same kind of types of people. Um, <clears throat> what I do think is that in some industries, some people uh, try to not look for diversity because they're trying to fill a particular type of person that they're trying, they're trying to do that because they want to fit uh, the expectations they believe that a prospect has. But that's a dangerous game to be playing nowadays. Um, I think that a very good idea uh, to get is to look at your team if you have one at the moment and say, are we actually particularly diverse? And if we're not, then we should consciously be seeking out diversity. Um, but but I suppose what I was trying to say is the way I've built teams is knowingly wanting to get diversity, but my my device hasn't been going. I need to hit a quota of particular um, you know locations that they came from and genders and stuff like that. Instead, it's been where is the talent and be blind to the rest of the stuff. And it's fascinating how it creates, it evens it all out. You have just as many women then working with you as you have men. You have just as many people who are a little bit older as you have who are younger. You have a focus on talent as the, as the centerpiece. And I love that approach because the diversity comes as a byproduct. So that's just simply be my approach. Um, really interesting. Um, Let's go on to the next, uh, next uh, question from Daniel Nunes himself, who's also asked here, what, who would you consider your top three LinkedIn connections and what do you like about them? Which has nothing to do with teamwork. Well, kind of it does. It kind of does have something to do with teamwork. If I want to make a, a, a link there, Daniel, in that we were one, one big team, I suppose, and they're good connections to have. <clears throat> um, the truth is I don't, I would say, I don't think I have a top three LinkedIn connections. And that sounds like a political answer, but it's true. I don't. Um, I have a lot of great connections I really like. And um, but some that stand out at the moment, I think definitely um, those that are of note right now include uh, my friend Anna Sabino, who is over in Hawaii um, as a model of consistency. She's done a daily video for something like 650 days now. So pretty much since it started and everyone was doing video, it's fine. But over all time, you're like, hang on. She's now it's 400. Now it's 500. Now it's 600. And no one's done that kind of number. No one um, literally because she's done it since the start. It's absolutely fantastic display of uh, consistency. And um, I know what she must have to go through to bring up uh, to, to bring in consistent, con uh, consistent, new creative content each day. Um, but she you can tell must be the real deal because you're only the real deal. You're only able to create, have that level of consistent creativity if you're actually doing the job, if you're actually being used by um, uh, uh, clients and you, you actually have work to do, you have all that stuff to talk about. So she's a great example. Mark Mitchell without an example, without, uh, uh, without uh, a shadow of doubt is a great person too, um, uh, that I'm following a lot um, and learning from, um, in the sense that what he does is his through his podcast humans 2.0 he is engaging with so many people who are illustrious in their respective spaces drawing out great information and sure you can listen to the podcast but what he then does is distill it and shares it so you can download that knowledge he's getting from these people um 
<coughs> there is content and that is consistent. Every day there's multiple pieces of, pieces of content sharing things he's learning from top people and it's just that, that makes him the device that is this font of knowledge. It's absolutely amazing. So um, uh, I love following his stuff because he's bringing in, he's like, uh, he's like uh, a kind of a, a, a place where you can go, where you can get information from some, so many other people. So he does that in a very good way. Um, someone else uh, as well, I would say, um, I, I really like what Eric Didier is doing recently. Um, he's doing a lot of kind of slideshows, which are very kind of solid fundamentals of, of uh, value as well. So it's worth checking him out. Um, but there's a whole host of people, but I like different people for different reasons, I suppose. So good question. Thank you very much uh, for that. <coughs> I will, um, those of you who just been joining in recently, uh, jump in and let me know where you're watching from and if you're hashtag team live. Also letting you know in 10 days time, we've got the first Entrepreneur Business Live event of the year in Atlanta uh, with Heather Parody. Then we've got uh, London on the 4th of March uh, with myself hosting. Also, I'll be over in Miami in April uh, on the 16th. Um, of April to uh, to have the larger scale event there as well in conjunction with LinkedIn Local Miami and Venture Cafe. Uh, a bunch of other events in the pipeline as well. So we've got Amsterdam, we've got another, we've got our second London location we're rolling out as well. Um, well, other places, Sydney is possibly on the cards. Uh, Alberta is happening too. That will be with some very exciting people will be announced uh, reasonably soon. Um, <coughs> I was even talking about um, San Francisco last week, which won't be till September, but that will happen. Uh, next question, Emily-Ann Valilia, who I think is watching right now on LinkedIn. How do you encourage a sense of belonging within a team? I'm interested in learning what you teach to the leaders you coach. I believe this is an area many leaders are lacking. How do you encourage a sense of belonging in a team? <clears throat> Again, this is the point I made at the top of the session. You need to understand that if you're spending your, most of your waking hours with this team, which you probably are if you're in an office together, um, you know, that you probably see them more than your family. Pretty much definitely see them more than your family. So it's right that you view it as like, well, why wouldn't we make this more familial? And I think that if you've got all that time together, being formalized all the time potentially doesn't allow you to have that sense of belonging. There needs to be something that people can anchor themselves to, and it could be a brand. So if you if you are gonna hire people who are fanboys for the brand, that can work, but you need a brand to start with. I know for a fact that, <coughs> excuse me, that there, I know someone in particular who's worked for Tesla. I know someone in particular who's worked for Apple, and they're both good examples of people who went, wanted to work for that company, not a company like that, because they wanted to feel that they were part of that kind of their ethos and their brand and the culture that comes with it and so on. And, and indeed, with Zappos that we mentioned earlier, a lot of people sort that business out as well. Um, but I do think that a good way to do it is to to give a sense of belonging. You need to you need to understand that people need to feel their role matters in this family. That that they therefore have value and worth, and you create. At that vibe I think a lot by having a kind of a, a, you empower these people a bit and you can do that in a variety of ways even the lower level rungs of the ladder give them a sense that what they're doing is important and I think a good way to look at it is that you can explain to people what it is they have to do so you have everyone in the team understanding what they do but when you explain explain why they need why they are needed and why that role is relevant 
therefore what they understand is why their particular cog that they represent is valuable to the entire machine. And that why kind of element brings in so much more of a sense of, I see why I need to be here. Um, everyone down to someone who is, you know, doing a very low level work, for example, without them, certain things wouldn't happen and the team wouldn't be able to operate in a certain way. And if you can explain why they therefore are important, they do have more of a sense of, hey, I've actually got value here, as opposed to I'm here for the function of receiving money each month to pay for pay rent or something like that. If you can take it deeper and say, you know, you have importance because without you, look at the, even if it's a butterfly effect of very little things, look at how it would impact the rest of the business if you weren't here doing the thing you're doing. So that does allow people to have a sense of uh, belonging within a larger community or, or a larger team. I think that's a nice way of doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, pro the problem is that a lot of people um, don't get much of a voice as well. So one thing I would, uh, one great technique I've found is that if I have someone on the team who's good at a particular thing that the other teammates can can learn from, I will often, rather than saying, rather than saying, well done and that be it, I'll say, you know what, why don't, why don't we have a session tomorrow, 20 minutes, and you lead it and show everyone how you do that thing. Rather than everyone hearing my voice all the time, it's me empowering that person. They have a sense that they're part of a family and helping people out as well. Even if it's a small thing, it's just a good way of doing it. Another great way of having a sense of belonging is just spend time to, together, not have, having a, um, you know, not just working at the same desk. That's not the same. Spend time together. You know, break bread over lunches. I had one of my first managers would take us out every Friday. We would sit together every Friday. I remember him saying, like, do what you want on lunch times, but on Friday it's a team lunch. Like a family would sit down at the end of the day and work, you know, have that have that dinner together. We were the same. It's like mobiles away, let's just hang out and and it did create this sense that we're part of a family. So it really did work. Um, and that was uh, that's something I'll never forget actually. I think that, that kind of thing really makes a big difference. <clears throat> so great question. Thank you very much Emily. And let's finish on another one. My voice is kind of hurting a bit so I will I'll do one more and then we'll pretty much finish up. Johnny Sherman I think this is a similar question if I remember. A great topic, this one, Richard. For me, for a team to work, the whole team needs to work to know what the goal is. And importantly, each individual needs to know their role in achieving that goal. Agreed. So, but the most important thing is that each member knows their worth. This is essentially what I've just been saying with Emily's question, actually. You may be the one making the tea, but if a leader can communicate that a role has worth and meaning, the team member will go out of their way to achieve the team's goal and make the team work. Do you agree? Um, yes, I agree. I agree that the team, the, the role has to have worth, or, or rather the person who is employed in that role has to have a sense of what that, what that, what that role is worth. Um, but I, I think also, I think also that, that team members will go out of the way to, to do things for the team if there's what's known as a value debt as well. <clears throat> now, I've got to explain this delicately because it can come across as being manipulative, but it's all for the great, all for, for the right reasons. The idea of a value debt is you invest so massive, massively so much in people, helping them out and doing things for them, that you end up with them feeling indebted to you emotionally. And what I simply mean by that, that is like, you've not done their job for you, for them, but you've, you've, made their environment so wonderfully useful and good and uh, looked after them and listened and developed them and been there for them and all of that kind of thing that they feel they owe you 
and they kind of do because if you created a wonderful world for someone to inhabit they will naturally lean in and want to repay you it's just a human trait and they'll want to pay you through doing a good job people want to do a good job to make you proud and and to, to give back when you have gone first and and, and helped them a lot and this isn't <coughs> a case of saying i need someone to deliver today so i'll buy them a coffee this is doing it all the time as in even when you don't need them to perform you're still doing that kind of thing and and i think that giving time to people just to li just to listen and be open and things like that really ma makes a big difference because um it means that you're you're there for them sure when it's stressful sure when they need development but also you're there for them anyway uh, and much like a parent might be or a brother or a sister in a family you're always there because it means that you can move uh, you know, you, you're, you're giving them so much that they would naturally have no problem with working harder for you anyway. And I've felt it firsthand. It's, it's a feeling of, I can just tell this person feels like they want to give something back in order to, to say thanks almost for all the work I've, I've done for them. And it should be a pleasure to, to, to help people with their roles and to make their lives better. And, um, Great leaders and managers, because there's a difference, but great people who run teams typically are the ones who default to caring. And it sounds touchy-feely, but they have to care naturally about other people. Some people don't, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that they're not perhaps perfect for the role. You do see a lot of people who are excellent at being the sole hunter focusing on business development perhaps and not necessarily considering those around them as much not in a negative way just in a simply in a tunnel vision a focus on themselves and and, and getting to target kind of uh, approach and they classically need a lot more work to bring them around to the idea that they have to be you know team thinking of team first really so if you naturally care you tend to be a, a great leader you always therefore have time for people even when things are stressful which is really what matters um let's draw a line there i'm gonna be coughing all afternoon so i want to finish up there's a couple of notices that say <coughs> i want to shout out warwick university I'm, I'm over on there on saturday for Warwick congress so i'll share a bit more of that look out this week for two really great videos we've been releasing on linkedin one with jack gaysford uh, we had a chat a bit earlier today. If you don't know him, Gaysford is G-A-I-S-F-O-R-D, Jack Gaysford. It's a fellow London guy. And if you if you actually look at his profile today, he released a second of two videos um, uh, about that we had uh, recently on a chat. And he's going to be speaking with me at EBL uh, in London on the 4th. All these events are free, by the way, so you can come along to these networking events uh, for free. But I'll be releasing a video with him uh, later this week, we're going to be sharing, it's a little along the lines of Daniel Nunez's video, we're sharing um, uh, some connections that we are just talking about on LinkedIn. Uh, in fact, one of them I mentioned today is, is in the video. But there's also another video, I'm going to be catching up with Judy Fox later today, and we're going to be putting out a video a bit later on uh, this week as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to sharing them both. In the meantime, thank you so much. Andrew Stilitu has said, do you want to come to Prague? Yes, sure. I would like to come to Prague if, you, if you're talking about work or something that would be fun as well but DM me that would be interesting and let's finish up there so thank you very much on LinkedIn thank you very much on Facebook and I'll